give thanks. Give thanks unto the Lord, even this morning, right where you are. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning, just right where you are? Has the Lord done anything good for you this past week? Can you give him just a, a round of applause and praise because he has been good, because he has been faithful? Has God kept you? Has God provided? Has God supplied all of your needs? Has he been a present help right now? Give him thanks right now. Amen. Amen. We give thanks to our Lord who is indeed worthy of our attention, worthy of our affection, worthy of our gratitude because he is a good, good father and he is faithful. Amen. Amen. Well, beloved, if you would, grab your Bibles or grab your device and turn with me to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Matthew, the 10th chapter, and we will be looking at verses 34 through 39. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 34 through 39. And as you turn, uh, I would like to welcome you, welcome you to this broadcast of the church gathered at Forest Baptist. So good to be with you. My prayer is that uh, the Lord has uh, uh, certainly been a source of an encouragement to you, that you have uh, paused to hear him speaking to you, and that you are uh, daily surrendering to the Holy Spirit who leads, guides, and directs. So praise God. Again, Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 34 through 39. And um, as we get ready to jump in, let me clean something up from last week. So in my intro, I was talking about driving on a date. I just want you to know that your pastor is not a player. That was not during the same time that I was with Sister Red. That was many years before. Just to set the record straight, all right? So just, just letting you know. Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning with the 34th verse. And if you are able to, please stand with me this morning and honor the reading of God's word. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 34. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And the Lord had a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Just want to speak with you, preach to you for this moment on the subject of can you handle the truth? Can you handle the truth. Let us go before our Lord in prayer this morning. Oh, gracious and eternal Father, you are good and you are great, and we do pause to say thank you. 
Thank you, O God, for being mighty and majestic. Thank you for your steadfast love and faithfulness that you pour out towards us, which you have supremely demonstrated through Christ Jesus. How he laid down his life that we may have forgiveness of sin and to be reconciled to you. Thank you for that Holy Spirit who leads us in all righteousness and even now has prepared us for worship for your word declares we can only come to worship you in spirit and in truth. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Please give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, I ask that you please use my weak, foolish, and sinful words for your purposes right now. Please speak, and may we, your servants, listen. In Jesus' name we do pray. And all the God's people said together, amen. Amen. You know, over the years, the Lord has been so kind and placed many wise people in my life who have given me nuggets of wisdom, nuggets of instruction. And one of those nuggets of wisdom that I particularly hold fast to and that I also share often for people who come to me seeking counsel is is simply this. The gap between expectations and reality is simply frustration. That gap between our expectations, but what is truly happening in reality, that gap is sinful frustration. Uh, Have you ever experienced that before? I do plenty often. Maybe for you, maybe it was on a job that you have experienced this type of frustration. Maybe when you interviewed for the job, they had a certain job description that they said that we want you to do X, Y, and Z, but and then we were going to pay you this much, but then you show up for the job, and your job description is completely changed, and your pay is different. That can lead to a lot of frustration. Or maybe it's because uh, you went to a restaurant that you heard was the bee's knees, and you just knew it was going to be a good meal, and you've been uh, bragging and raving about it, and the person you brought, you got them all hyped, and then the food come out, and it looked nothing. it looks nothing like the commercials. Your expectations and reality collide, and now you are in the middle of frustration. Or maybe as a parent, you expected your children to actually listen to what you have to say the first time. But sadly, we often find out that that is not the case, and you end up in frustration. Or maybe you are a child, and your parents are barking and getting on your nerves and you expect them not to but it's not reality so you are in frustration maybe it's because of your spouse you expect them to take the trash out every single day and it doesn't get taken out so you're filled with frustration Uh, no matter who we are where we are in our life we've experienced frustration because of the expectations we have. But, but, but sadly, so many times that we do have these frustrations in our lives is because we have set ourselves up for failure because we have false expectations. We've conjured up a idea of how things should be. We haven't shared them with anyone else, but we expect everyone else to know how they should be. And here we are frustrated because no one is living according to our rules. But you know what? It is not like that with the Lord. Because with the Lord, he is up front and he lets you know what he expects of you and he lets you know what it looks like 
in order to serve him. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we have seen how Jesus has patiently and intentionally and meticulously taught his disciples what it means to follow him. And he is giving them over and over again just this sense of expectation of discipleship. And he is preparing them for what lies ahead on this journey of life. Remember, was it not Jesus who said to his disciples, before you follow me, you need to understand that you should count the cost. There is a cost with following Jesus. And in these final verses of the 10th chapter, Jesus is doing just that. He is helping his disciples to understand uh, what expectations they should have in leading a life as a disciple. Jesus wants the 12 to know that messengers of the truth will face opposition. At this point in the text, uh, Jesus has commissioned his disciples and he has sent them out with the gospel message, and as they are going out, people will respond to them in different ways. But as they go out, uh, uh, as people respond to them, he wants them to understand that you just keep on going, and how they respond, you just leave that up to me. As messianic kingdom emissaries, that's just a fancy word for missionary, uh, they take upon themselves this gospel message of Jesus but they will also take upon themselves the mistreatment of Jesus. Not only will they go forth in in kingdom power and kingdom purpose and kingdom peace in order to uh, convey this message of the kingdom, but they will go forth, as Jesus says, sheep into the, the, the land field of wolves. See, in the incarnation, Jesus confronts satanic deception and raises his banner of truth here on earth. When Jesus enters into uh, our humanity, he comes because we are in desperate need of the truth. We are in desperate need of, of him to pull back the curtain that Satan has set up to blind us to make sure we know who he is, and how we should live for him. Was it not Satan who deceived Adam and Eve by setting up a false kingdom and a false choice for life? Jesus entered into creation in order that he may redeem us by giving us the truth, and not just a word of truth, but himself, because he is the truth. And just as, as Jesus comes to, to manifest this truth and Satan is opposing his, him entering into this world, we too, if we are faithful and genuine disciples of Jesus, will be opposed by satanic forces. Just as Jesus was opposed, so too will his disciples. Sinful mankind hated Jesus because they couldn't handle the truth. Our big idea for this morning is simply disciples of Jesus will face opposition because there will always be those who oppose the truth. Disciples of Jesus will face opposition because there will always be those who oppose 
the truth. See, according to Scripture, opposition is inevitable. Opposition is inevitable for disciples who rightly handle the word of truth. And this is what we see taking place in the text of Scripture this morning. In the text of Scripture, we see two things about the truth. We see first that the truth will divide, but then also the truth will reveal. The truth will divide and the truth will reveal. Look at verses 34 through 36. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And you were reading Jesus' words, and two things hit you. First, you're like, Jesus, I've never heard you talk like this before. This is crazy. But then secondly, you said, Jesus, uh, I don't know if we really had to wait for you to have beef with my mother-in-law or father-in-law or my siblings. But truly, Jesus is saying, That his entrance into this world causes disruption and it causes division. Jesus entering into this world causes people to respond and to react in certain ways because he is the truth. And many times people just can't handle the truth. Look at Jesus' language. You said, I can't believe you're talking like this language. Uh, uh, talking like this, Jesus, and it's, and, it's, it, and it's incredible because Jesus is actually, he is saying specifically, part of my mission has been not to bring peace but a sword. The language Jesus uses when he says, I have come, this, this, this is language of mission. But what Jesus knows is that his very presence is going to make a whole lot of folks uncomfortable. Him showing up is going to make Satan and his minions uncomfortable, but also those who are under the stronghold and and the yoke of sin will be made uncomfortable because of his presence. You know, uh, many of us, we can can relate to this. Now, uh, because of COVID, uh, many of us uh, have uh, needed to cancel our Thanksgiving plans, and I will encourage you, To be wise, don't act like COVID ain't out there. This is real. It's not a hoax. So be wise. And and, and many of us have chosen to uh, cancel our normal Thanksgiving uh, meals and and being able to get with family because of COVID. And for many of us, that's just a sad reality because it brings us so much joy to see our family and to have those meals. Uh, But on the low, you know, some of us are, are, are probably excited. Because you're like, I ain't got to show up in a house for the people I'm just going to argue with. Because we know that there's somebody there who makes you uncomfortable. There's somebody there that's going, that you're going to get into an argument with. You, you know that, that that person who just, uh, just speaks their mind and really doesn't hold anything back. But if you don't know somebody like that, maybe it's you who speak your mind and don't hold something back. But, but you're, uh, people are actually happy that they won't have to do that Thanksgiving meal because of the division, because of the lack of peace. You know, in a way, when we think about Jesus coming into this world, we under, uh, he is saying to us, 
my very presence will make you uncomfortable because I am the manifestation of truth. And we look at the scriptures and we say, well, well Jesus, but I, I don't understand. Why, uh, didn't you come to bring peace? Doesn't the prophet Isaiah say that you are the prince of peace? And don't you say with your own mouth that uh, you uh, peace you will leave with us? And don't you say with your own words, peace be with you? What are you talking about, Jesus, you bringing the sword? What Jesus is actually talking about is that paradoxical peace because he is the ultimate living paradox. And he have this paradoxical ministry, this upside-down ministry. It's, it's a ministry. It's, it's not what they expected because it was from heaven and not from earth. When we think about peace, we think about the absence of conflict. But what Jesus is talking about when he states peace is not the absence of, of conflict, but it's the presence of wholeness. It's the fact that he is showing up with his word to bring peace and favor and wholeness to broken and complete people. That's the type of peace Jesus is talking about. See, the Jews were looking for political peace. They were looking for material prosperity. So in their mind, they would have a peace that had them ruling and reigning over the Romans. But Jesus says, uh-uh, that ain't the type of peace that I came to bring. As a matter of fact, my interest in here is going to cause extreme division. This is what he means when he says he, he, he's not come to bring peace but a sword. The, the sword being a metaphor for conflict. Because when Jesus comes in and steps in with his truth, he, at that moment, is making a separation, a distinction between those who believe and those who do not believe. Those who will be saved and those who will not be saved. What Jesus is ultimately saying in these first few verses is that when I show up, People will respond to me based upon their own sinfulness. They would, have, they would either love the truth and, recept, and, and, and receive these disciples and the message that they're preaching and teaching because Jesus has so radically uh, rocked their world and they just love him, or they will see Jesus as the truth and he will be a threat to them living how they want to live, doing what they want to do, sinfully living to their own devotions, serving the God of this world. This is what Jesus is saying. And the fact that he's talking about the families, he's talking about those things that are, are the closest to us, Jesus is going to cause friction because of his truth. Jesus is saying, my words and my message is going to draw a sand in the line. And there, and there will be no in-between. You can't, you can't uh, sit on the middle of the fence. You're going to have to be with me or you're going to be against me. Just think with me for a moment about some of Jesus' truth claims that would cause opposition, that would cause confrontation even today. Think about what Jesus says in John 14, 6, by merely saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is talking about is this exclusivity 
in religion that the only way to God is through him. Now that will cause a whole lot of opposition in our day because that, that, that will go to say uh, anyone of any other re religion, any other belief system will not be in heaven. Those following Muhammad will not be saved. Those following Buddha will not be saved. Those who, who, are, uh, who, who think that they are uh, the, the, the incarnation of, of uh, the, the black Hebrews, that, that they won't be saved. Any other person, any other religious belief, they will not be saved. Beloved, beloved, Jesus is saying that he is the only way. I'm going to get even more confrontational. Think with me for a moment. If someone lives their entire life devoted to any other religion apart from Christianity and belief and trust in him, no matter how devout they may be, they will not see God. Because Jesus is saying the only way to see the Father is through me. That's, that's confrontational. You mean Jesus... Anybody else out there who doesn't trust you will go to hell? This is exactly what Jesus is saying. Well, think about what Jesus says in Matthew, the 19th chapter. In verses 4 through 6, he says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one what therefore God has joined together let not man separate you see what Jesus this is confrontational Jesus is actually saying the marriage covenant union is to only be between a man and a woman for life and anything contrary to that one standard goes completely against God's blueprint for our life, and it is sin. So, Pastor, you mean to tell me those in same-sex marriages are in sin? I don't, I'm, Jesus is saying this. The gospel is confrontational. Or what about when Jesus says in John 15, the 18th, uh, 18th verse through the 19th verse, but what comes out the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. From out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. What Jesus is saying is that your external actions come because you have a sinful heart. So one, the, uh, uh, the message of Jesus is confrontational because he just comes up and says, you're wrong. Have you ever just told somebody you're wrong? Oh, we hemming and hawing. We got excuses. We don't want to. No one ever wants to hear that they're wrong. But Jesus has said, if, 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 if you are a human being, you have sinfulness in your heart and you are wrong. All your evil thoughts, those are wrong. Those who murder physically and murder with their words, you're wrong. You're in sin. Those adulterers, those who uh, step outside the covenant union of marriage 
and seek sexual relationships with someone other than their spouse is wrong. Jesus is saying those sexually immoral, those whose whose sexual ethic is, is wrong according to Jesus. Any type of sexual relationship before marriage, any type of sexual, same-sex relationship, any type of, of, of stepping out of the marriage covenant. G- Jesus actually has a standard, and he's drawing a line. That is why he is so divisive. We want to do whatever we want to do, and Jesus says, you can't do that and, and belong to me, though. Those who steal are in sin. Those who lie are in sin. Those who talk about others are in sin. This is Jesus' standard. And you wonder why the gospel is so confrontational? The truth will divide. And we see here the, this, this opposition that we will receive will be from our very family members. You don't take all that you always, you always uppity and act like you better. There will always be opposition to the truth. There's opposition on the outside, but in the, these, in, the, in the verses here, we see how there's even opposition on the inside. Look here in verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is helping them to understand that uh, out of all of their relationships, he needs to be preeminent. He needs to be on top and not on bottom. And, and, And this is the truth of all of Scripture, that Jesus has to be, he has to be the most important thing to your life if you're going to be one of his disciples. Jesus can't be your sad piece. He can't be your backup. He's saying, no, I I want your full affection and your full attention. You can't keep playing Jesus like he's on the side and thinking, I'll get back to you when I feel like it. You know, one of the reasons people don't like to read their Bible or or why people don't like attending worship service is because uh, the Word has a way of revealing who you really are. The word is like an x-ray machine, and, and like Hebrews, it says it's able to penetrate to, to, the, to the bone and to the marrow. It's able to look beyond the, these fronts that we put up for everybody. We want to act like we get it all together. We want to act like we are religious. We want to act like we're doing the right thing. When below, Jesus knows who we really are, and when his word, when we encounter his word, when we encounter his presence, we have no choice but to be exposed because he's light. We can't hide from him. This is one of the reasons why social media uh, has exploded so much because on the Internet, uh, you can hide yourself. See, on social media, people can't see who you really are. 
They don't know what you really look like when you wake up first thing in the morning. They, they, they can't tell what your breath smells like when you first get out of the bed. But, but on social media, we can doctor up the picture. We can uh, uh, create our own narrative and hide behind this false life. But, beloved, when the truth sets you free, what, what, what Jesus is saying that uh, uh, the, what the, those who, who trust in him have the truth and the truth will set you free, he's saying you no longer have to live in the bondage of faking it until you make it. You don't have to no longer live with the burden of someone figuring out and finding out who you really are. He's saying you can actually let all that go and live. When Jesus shows up, you can't hide. Jesus is saying, your affections will reveal who you really love. If you love your father more than Jesus, you're not worthy. If you love your mother more than Jesus, you're not worthy. If you love your son or daughter more than Jesus, and, and if you love anything else more than Jesus, he is saying you're not worthy because according to Jesus, he must be number one in your life. You know, we often say our priorities and we list them out. We say, well, God, family, others, me. That's what we say. But beloved, how do you really live? Because truthfully, I think you could flip that on his head, and that's how, that's how we really live. We don't live God, family, others, me. We live me, others, family, God. And when Jesus hits you with these words, that if that's your lifestyle, then you're really not worthy. He reveals who you really belong to. You're not worthy exposes who we really are. You're not worthy exposes our heart's desires. You're not worthy not only exposes who, uh, who we really are, but this exposes who others really are. Because in verse 37 38, he says, uh, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. But then in verse 38, it says, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Beloved, at some point in our lives, we have to tell the truth. And if someone is living like hell, they don't love Jesus, they don't think about Jesus, they don't talk about Jesus, it doesn't matter if they were born in the church. If they are not following Jesus, he says they are not worthy of me. We got to stop making excuses for our family, friends, and loved ones. Thinking just because they grew up in the church, they're going to come back to church. No, we better get, you better get on your knees and pray that they would be found worthy because they have picked up their cross and they have chosen to follow Jesus. You know, this text is a trip. Because I know deep down, I mean, we got to be thinking like, man, what kind of person demands this, this type of affection? Like, what's wrong with God? 
does he have a complex that he just needs our attention all the time? What, what, what type of person needs this type of allegiance? Why, why would Jesus have such high expectations of how we relate to him? Well, beloved, the scriptures are simply simple, and they give us the answer. The only person that's, uh, that demands this type of commitment is God. Deuteronomy 6 and 5 reminds us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. What Jesus is actually saying in this declaration of priority, he is saying to his disciples, I am God and everything else comes up after that. And because I'm God, I am worthy of complete and total adoration and your attention. Beloved, may God have mercy on us for how we just play Jesus and how we fail to give him our attention and how it's so easy for us to not pick up our Bibles and it's so easy for us to not, not to pray, but we call ourselves Christians. It's so easy for us to, uh, to live how we want to live and, and it's so easy for us to to, to, to not surrender every, every fiber of our being to Christ. And it's so easy just to kind of go through the motions. And Jesus is saying, you ain't worthy if you don't love me with everything. Discipleship requires ultimate surrender because Jesus is ultimately supreme. If Jesus is not worthy of your affections, then please tell me who is. If Jesus is not worthy of your attention, then who is? This, this truth, can, can you handle the truth? This, this truth, Jesus is saying, this is a test for genuine discipleship. Do you love me most? Jesus must have first, middle, and last say over your life. Only then can we truly fulfill our purpose in this life of being his disciples. Look at verses 38 and 39 because it takes this again, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Will find it. What Jesus is saying is if you're not worthy to lay down your life, if you're not worthy to take up your cross. Now, now this is Jesus talking to Jews under Roman oppression. There was times where when there were revolts, the, uh, the, the, the Romans would line up those who revolted and those who were close to insurrection down the hallway on crucifixes for them to see. So when Jesus talks about taking up your cross, he is talking about certain death. So when Jesus says, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, if you don't die to yourself and stop following yourself and follow me, then you're not worthy of me. But then he's also saying, but if you do lay down your life, if you do die to yourself, The one who loses his life will find it. 
Jesus is saying we must die to our own will, that we would take up his will over ours. We, we can't have these competing narratives, stories in our lives. We have to surrender our life to Jesus. But yet, when you are willing to lay down your life, Jesus rewards you with not a new life of your own, but his life. When Jesus' life becomes your own, that is when you experience true life and true discipleship. Because disciples of Jesus willingly forsake all. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is the life of a disciple. One where we're opposed because of the truth, but even in that opposition, we're willing to put, we're willing to put Jesus above all and not shortcut this walk. So, beloved, think about your own life and how do you respond to external opposition to the truth? When people oppose you because of what Jesus has said and you have appropriated for your own life, your beliefs on how life should be and how uh, one should live their life, well, when people oppose you, how do you respond to them? Do, do you respond in anger? Do you respond in fits of rage? Do you, do, you, do you cower? Jesus is saying, no, just stand on me. You ain't got to fight nobody to love Jesus. Just share the gospel. But I think here's, here's a, a, another question we, we need to ask ourselves. Not only how, how do you respond to external opposition to the truth, but how do you respond to internal opposition to the truth? Those times where you know God is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is saying, you need to let that tongue go. You need to put that down. You need to uh, uh, focus on, you need to go. How do you respond when the truth of Christ hits your own heart? Do you reject his word or do you receive his word? Because if we reject Jesus over and over and over and over again, can we truly be his disciples? Beloved, can you handle this truth? The gospel is confrontational. The truth is, you and I, we, we don't treasure God supremely. And the truth is, you and I, we, we don't lay down our lives willingly. And the truth is, we, you and I, we often find ourselves on the wrong side of God's truth and sin. Beloved, this is exactly why salvation can never be secured by mere performance. This is why eternal life can never be grasped by your standard of goodness. The truth is, you and I, we are sinners in need of a Savior. But this is why the truth of the gospel points us back to Jesus over and over again. Because the truth is, he is the one who perfectly obeyed and embodied God's truth. The truth is, 
Jesus is the one who perfectly loved God with all his heart, soul, and might. The truth is, Jesus is the one who willingly forsook all and laid down his life on Calvary as they hung him high and they stretched him wide. And it was Jesus alone who laid in that tomb for three days. But Jesus alone took up his life again. And though he laid down his own life on the third day, he took his life back up for our sake. When your life is hidden in Christ, his loss becomes your gain. In Christ, when you lay down your life, he gives you his to take back up. This is the truth of the gospel. We aren't worthy of Jesus. We aren't worthy to belong to him. But Jesus is. Based upon that, now can you handle the truth? Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace, for how you love us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth as explained by the Apostle Paul. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Father, that truth in and of itself is confrontational and many will oppose this truth because they will have to make you king and they can never be the king of their own lives. But Father, by the power of your word and your might and your spirit, I pray that you would touch one and that we would willingly lay down our lives, we would lose our lives, that we would find it in you. So, Father, today I pray that you would strengthen, encourage, move, and motivate us to be more faithful, more loving, and more indeed focused on this mission you have commissioned us to be on as disciples. Lord, we love and we thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen. Amen, beloved. Well, how will you respond to God's word today? Will you continue to reject him and oppose his truth, or will you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, willingly confessing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus alone can save you? And will you do as Romans 10, 13 says, and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? Or maybe you're here today and uh, you continue to uh, be selfish and self-seeking, uh, but you call yourself to be a disciple, and Jesus is saying, if you want to, if you want to be worthy of me, then I need to be your number one. You can confess your sin to Jesus right now. Lord, I, you have not been number one in my life. Please forgive me and help me to make you preeminent. You can do that too. Or maybe the Lord has drawn you to become a part of this church at Forest, at Forest Baptist. And if so, whether you need a salvation, repentance, or you want to be a part of this covenant fellowship, you can go to our website at fbcnewberg.org and you can fill out the visitor's form 
we will reach out to you and contact you and to journey along with you as the Lord deals with you. So, beloved, as we go throughout this next week, go in the strength of the Lord, seeking to be worthy disciples, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus already is. And because he laid down his life, we can take up his, we take up his life that we may live through him and for him, that he will be glorified. Amen. Well, if you're at home and someone's with you, grab your neighbor by the hand and let's all stand up and repeat after me. But my God shall supply all of your needs, all of my needs, according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And him we live, shake your neighbor and say we move, and have our being, for we walk by faith and not by sight. For greater is he that is in you, that is in me, than he that is in the world. For God is with us, and no one can be against us. For what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch, look, and pray. And I give someone a holy hug. You are dismissed. Go in grace for us.